Just in and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined, of course, by Patrick Corain, like uh, every single week. We, we got a couple requests to do this show. People really enjoyed the zero rb show but of course you know the unspoken part of drafting zero running back is that that means that you're drafting a lot of wide receivers so i think people are pretty curious about the portfolio of wide receivers that we would like to go into these drafts getting in and you know we're we're sitting here it's the morning of august 9th we are trending out of best ball season into high stakes managed league season um, I think you, you, you and I and Pete are doing a main event on the 25th. Does that sound right? That sounds right. Yeah. They open up, I believe on the 20th, that weekend, we're not doing any. And then we, we are just like pounding out main events until the season starts. Mm, maybe my one on the 25th is actually, I think maybe that's wrong. I think maybe my one on the 25th is with Rebar, Thorman and Silva. And that's so why I, I have right now, I have four scheduled you guys have like 800 scheduled. What's going to happen when the ship chasers win the main event? What, what is, what is that going to do to the fantasy football world? Well, you know, as we know, people are very rational in this space. So they'll analyze what we did and decide, you know what, maybe we should be taking wide receivers early. No, they're going to call it a fluke, chalk it up to some weird player specific thing and draft the shit out of running backs next year. And it's going to be awesome. I don't know. I, I do feel like you guys or, you know, or Gretch Siegel, you know, in, in, or, or any of the, the ship chasing subscribers, if any of that happens, if any of that wins the main event, I do think we will see a big change, maybe not even that drastic of a change in ADP, but we are going to see way less pushback from the high stakes community. Like the, like the FFPC grinders hate all of us, think we're so wrong, think we don't get it right. You know, they're, they're cranking Josh Jacobs and, uh, another thing is, is that group of people tends to be a spec specifically on the FFPC. Like the, those are the guys drafting Kyle Pitts. Those are the guys drafting TJ right. Hawkinson. Those are the guys drafting Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard and Logan Tom, you know, they, they really like the tight ends, which is less a part of our strategy. I mean, the top three tight ends for sure, but I don't, I mean, in any of the main events or FFPC scoring ones done so far, I, I have not taken Hawkinson Pitts. I have taken Andrews once, but like that, that Fant Goddard Thomas Higby tier is particularly non appealing. I agree about that tier. In the main event that we're doing right now with Ben Gretsch, we did take Hawkinson in the third round. Gretsch loves the, Hawkinson. He loves Hawkinson. Yeah. And I'm actually pretty open to Hawkinson. I think 
the reason to take Hawkinson in the main event is because of ceiling yeah, or like you can see him. Passes. Yeah. You can, the, the Darren Waller setup is really there for him. You know, the, you've got a slot wide receiver. Who's a rookie. Who's not going to probably command a ton of targets yet. Goff just cannot help himself, but to check down, I actually think that kind of there's the chance for that offense to really run through Hawkinson and Swift in a way that we, that we really rarely see um, and might be more than enough to make up for the fact that the team overall is going to be bad just because it's going to, it's not going to be like a traditional NFL offense. So if that happens, Hawkinson's going to be worth his ADP. Andrews has been tougher because I don't think he really has the ceiling case. You know, he's mostly an efficiency guy. He's kind of that George Kittle profile, but in an even lower volume offense and he's not as good as George Kittle. So um, I don't have him yet in the main event. I'm not completely opposed. He, you know, can sometimes go in the late fourth. I think that's pretty interesting. But yeah, but generally, yeah, it's the top three guys. Um, and Kittle, we just have a ton of Kittle because he falls so late. We got him. We at the 104, we got him coming back, which just feels like stealing. Yeah, I mean, I have Kittle ranked ahead of Waller anyway. Um, I actually don't have him projected there. I I actually have Kittle kind of dusty, relatively speaking, from a projection standpoint. But that's because I have. I mean, I have Jimmy starting like eight games and I have them being very run heavy. And, you know, that's the difference between median projections and range of outcomes. It's like, you know, Kittle's range of outcomes is Ayuk and Debo, you know, they're, they end up being fine, but Kittle, like what's Kittle scored like max of six touchdowns. Is that right? I, I feel like maybe it's actually, he's never had a, t- he's never had a season of more than six touchdowns. Yeah. So I think he's so done that twice. He's done, he's done five touchdowns twice. um a thousand yards twice has only has only played really two full seasons but i mean everyone knows like you just look at george kittle and you're like that guy has that guy has the 12 touchdown season just sitting there it's just sitting there yeah um all right so let's let's get into these wide receivers you have jimmy grappler projected for eight games well i have not started fiddling with game stuff based on training camp yet um i i think eight is too many, but I just, I, I just have not fiddled with it yet. I think, I mean, every day I'm just getting closer to being like, you know what, I'm just projecting Lance for 17 games. But again, this last weekend, the the team had like a, the scrimmage where they invited fans and stuff. And Jimmy played really well. Like all the reports were Jimmy crushed it through, through, there was the highlight of the, the deep pass to Debo. Um, and we're, we're going to talk about Debo and I, you can a little bit. So yeah. the first round guys, guys who go in the first round at wide receiver, Tyreek Diggs and Adams. Now I know this is where you and I differ a little bit. I differ with Sean here. I differ with Gretch. I differ with Pete. I still take Ezekiel Elliott over all of these guys. And also in underdog right now, I'm taking Aaron Jones over those guys. Um, some of the times that's like kind of like a 50, 50 thing. He still comes back in the second sometimes. So I, I almost never do that, but, um, but sometimes the room will let you have Aaron Jones anyway. But some, also sometimes you can get Tyreek at 110 on underdog like every once in a while, and I'm I'm snapping that up. So I I have these guys ranked Tyreek Adams Diggs. I I and not it's not a, it's not a, a dig at Diggs per se. Specifically for best ball, I feel like Tyreek has the best weekly outcome. Like I feel like Tyreek in week 17 against the Bengals could literally score 50 half PPR points. Like he could have he could have like 230 yards and three touchdowns in a game and not that Diggs and Adams don't have super high outcome games like that, but they don't earn those 
like they they're very rarely are those guys getting 55 yard a dot throws you know down the field that's just not as much a part of what they do so I like Tyreek's volatility a little bit more but no problem with any of those three guys basically yeah I think Tyreek like they're all awesome there's certain spots where you know that everyone's basically like equivalent and you should just try to mix up your exposures and it's sometimes hard to do that. I, this has been a spot where it's not been hard. I'm just kind of almost spinning a wheel in my head and taking whoever. And I'm usually in, you know, I'm in spots where maybe one or two of them is already gone and I'm happily scooping up the third. I do think there's a pretty clear tear break between these guys and the next guy. Um, partly because like, it's hard for me to see anyone but these three guys putting up like the Devonte Adams season from last year. And I think all three of them really can. Hill is the one where like Ben's done a great job making the bull case for digs, talking about the touchdowns, how they weren't there in the beginning of the year really did come on at the end of the year. And if you look at Adam's season versus Diggs' season, it really is just touchdowns. That's the difference, you know? So Diggs just gets in the end zone more. He had the Devontae Adams season from last year, kind of under the radar. So easy to see the bull case there in the second year with Josh Allen. Tyreek Hill though, I feel like what if Miko Hardman, is playing more of like the Tyreek Hill role, role in the sense of keeping the defense honest and they're able to actually like move Tyreek. Like his ADOT might come down. His that, market I, share I, might you, go up. But you could argue that ADOT going down, market share going up would actually be good for him. I mean, I am arguing that. Oh, okay. I, I am arguing saying. that. I'm yeah. saying like he can have a 28% market share season this year where, you know, we're used to him like 23, 24, like, what do you, what do you have him projected for? Do you have that up? But it, it's, he could have a, like a huge breakout season. I think it just in terms of becoming finally like an actual alpha wide receiver in terms of market share, which he really hasn't been, he's been a solid number one in terms of market share with incredible efficiency. And the way that Hardman can open things up for him is going to be different than the way Watkins was opening things up for him. It, it might lead to, you know, incredible efficiency plus elite volume in which case Tyree kill might be the guy that you needed. So what you're saying is exactly reflected in my, in my projections. Like I have, I have Tyreek as the number two wide receiver in standard, but in PPR, he goes down to number four because I only have him for 98 receptions. Whereas I have Adams Diggs, Hopkins and Allen Robinson, Calvin Ridley, all of those guys for more targets, um, higher catch rate. Cause again, a lot of the stuff, um, that's feeding into my projections is algorithmic, algorithmically based, based on what they've done in the past. And Tyreek mm-hmm. has been a right, like lo- lower target, lower catch rate, but like lots of touchdowns. Like I, I have Tyreek projected for uh, the third most receiving touchdowns. So, and, and, you know, obviously more strategy stuff comes to play there, but I, I do think your point, and we saw it at times last year, in games where they like the, the the Buccaneers game, right? Like really competitive games, they would really lean on Tyreek more. And in some of the less competitive games, they leaned on him a little bit less. And we saw that with Kelsey too. More competitive games, Kelsey would have like a 30% target share. Less competitive games, Kelsey would have like an 18% target share because it just was not as needed to pelt those guys with targets. And you could argue the offense having fewer playmakers this year than in years past you know, that that's probably, it's probably a bowl for, for Tyreek. I, I actually have Adams projected for an insane stat line. I, I have him projected for 175 targets, almost 1500 yards and uh, 
touchdowns. Like I, because he is so like, I don't have Randall Cobb projected for a big target share. I don't have Robert Tunyon scoring a touchdown every six targets. Um, right. You know, it, the, the fact that Jamal Williams is not there to siphon off a 10% target share funnels more. I think I have Adams for a 33% target share and maybe that's a little bit rich, but that that's basically in line with what he was doing last year. Yeah. Adams is, I mean, it's rare that you see any connections like this and it especially feels rare in like the modern era where, you know, we're used to seeing kind of more wide receivers on the field and kind of not the like kind of crazy alpha target shares of like the mid two thousands, but that's what this is. You know, it's almost like the Andre Johnson type of just massive target shares or, you know, the, the old school Calvin Johnson, you know, it's, and it, he's so locked in with Rodgers and he's so good. I wonder if he'll be used quite as much as the goal line back. The goal line year. back. That's because yeah. that, that's what he had 18 touchdowns last year. If you bring him back to 12, that does diminish his super high end outcomes right. a little bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was quite good at that, but there was also something to the idea that like Rogers was just trying to win the MVP. Feeding him. Yes. Yeah. He I needed, mean, they, he they, needed they, those they, touchdowns. They'd be on the three yard line and they'd yeah. throw it to Adams three times in a row. Like, right. Which he's good. He's good at doing, but I don't know, like AJ, you know, running AJ Dillon's thighs behind Robert Tunyon probably is just as good of a probability as scoring a touchdown. It's a better probability, you know, yeah. like AJ. And I think AJ Dillon, will be better at in those types of situations to where like if you know maybe previously they did one run and then they threw it twice now if they do that one run maybe dylan just gets it in right so he could he could he could hurt adams by being more efficient in those types of goal line situations yeah all right the next group of guys these are the second round wide receivers calvin ridley deandre hopkins dk metcalf justin jefferson and aj brown so i like Calvin Ridley a lot, obviously, um, take him uh, a fair amount. But my favorite of this group is actually Metcalf because Metcalf to me has the most ability to just like, you know, Gretsch made this point on stealing bananas that like the dude runs slants and fly routes and had that season that he had, you would anticipate him getting a little bit better. You know, they there's Tyler Lockett is 29 and and really like Lockett was the one who really struggled as they were passing last last year. It was Lockett whose target volatility was a little bit different. Lockett, um, in, in a weird way, Lockett's targets actually end up being a little bit more volatile because he gets a lot of the super deep stuff because he right. is really he's really good at that. And you know, in the weeks where he was catching those, you know, he was scoring three touchdowns. And in the weeks where he wasn't, he was going, you know, three for forty, which you know, whatever. And it's not that Tyler Lockett isn't a good pick at his position either, but I do think Metcalf has the ability to just like lose his mind and just, you know, have 14 touchdowns, 1200 yards, 80 receptions, just like the absurd you had to have him season. I do too. I like Metcalf a lot. I was kind of hammering Metcalf when he was going an an underdog at the back end of the second round. No, even in the back end of the second, I still was, but now he's like, in the mid sometimes early second um in these puppy drafts which obviously the puppy's a little wide receiver thirsty um but I, I still want exposure to him and i can't really talk myself into him over ridley because ridley 
I mean, Ridley's going to be in the system that AJ Brown was, and he doesn't have Julio Jones. It's almost like the Ridley case. We're almost a little bit behind on that. I think we're like, he could have the AJ Brown season that we were hoping for from AJ Brown, but then they so kind of switched I, positions. I have a question for you. Do you still feel in the deepest recesses of your brain, the stink that Calvin Ridley was not a good prospect? Like, do, do you, does that ever occur to you at all? Cause every once in a no. while, I'll be every once in a while, it'll be Ridley or Hopkins on the clock. And I'll just take Hopkins for, for literally no reason. I think Ridley was a good prospect. I he's had like, I, he's like 37 years old. Already. I know he came in old, but he was actually an early declare wide receiver. And like he, you know, first round pick right. out of Alabama. Like he actually was a good prospect, I think. I mean, Sean wrote an article about him that kind of helped reshape my opinion on him because I wasn't super high on him coming out. And then after his rookie year, he like pointed out basically like what this guy's done because he broke out as a rookie like i i feel pretty confident that calvin ridley is very good yeah he's, he's yeah. shown a lot i mean he's been very efficient over the last few years like i'm not worried about his talent level yeah i'm not either i mean i i the the one thing that i guess for for these drafts is like i i honestly think it's fine to take metcalf ahead of hopkins i i really do which is i think like, it's totally fine yeah, yeah. i i can I wish that that wasn't a conversation. I wish that Metcalf was just that you were almost hoping, you know, if Nuke both. falls to you in the mid second. Yeah. That you were like, I might get Metcalf in the third, but now that it is a conversation, I think it's totally fine to take Metcalf first. I mean, Metcalf might be used very creatively this year. And I feel very confident that Nuke will not. Right. Cliff Kingsbury is not going to like break out some new set of tricks. I don't think he has a set of tricks. Like, the only tricks that he might have are for Rondale Moore in the slot because the slot has been kind of the premier position in, in this offense, not the guy on the outside. I think Nuke's going to – maybe he'll run a few more deep threat, deep routes, but I think that little those little squiggles that we saw last year are probably going to be what we see again this year. Bunch of bunch of boring stuff from DeAndre Hopkins. But, he, um, I mean, he might catch 110 passes or whatever. Yeah. No, yeah. he's definitely – he's not a bad pick, but it's like if you want to – it's just hard for me to imagine him like dominating, like just like not because of who he is, but just I don't know that he's going to get set up to be in a position to where he's the wide receiver one this year. Yeah. AJ Brown or Justin Jefferson, they go literally right next to each other in ADP. It's very close. Which one do you have? I take Brown usually, although Same. I do try to mix it up because I don't want to be underexposed to Jefferson, but AJ Brown might be like, he might be the best wide receiver in the league. Like it's, it's like, that might be something we say after the year, you know, like right now, as I sit here, I wouldn't, you know, it's probably Diggs or Tyreek, maybe Adams, but I think after the year we might go, it's AJ Brown. He's the best. So yeah. I want exposure to that. And, and, you know, you can read the Julio Jones thing either way. Like one, you could say he was, he was set up to have this just absurd target volume season. But then the other thing you could say is, well, it's very rare for guys to actually get double teamed, but if the Titans wide receiver group was AJ Brown, Josh Reynolds, and Des Fitzpatrick, it would not be that hard to actually double team AJ Brown. You're probably not going to be drifting that much. Like if Julio Jones and AJ Brown are both out there, it's not like you're not going to get burnt if you just like, okay, we're shutting down AJ Brown. Cause then, you know, Julio Jones, even at 33, yeah. still pretty good. And he was uh, really good last year when he wasn't hurt. He was. And there's this weird thing that happens on underdog. This is, this is not as true for the main event, but 
you if you take Dalvin Cook at two when you're when you're picking at two, a lot of the times it's AJ Brown or Justin Jefferson there at the two eleven. Mm-hmm. And you don't want it, you you would I think you would prefer to not have the two teammates together. Um, oh, I, like I, I really, actually do go the two teammates. I, I tend to do to take Cook and Jefferson because I'm like, I, I need I this think, offense to be prolific. I, I think they negatively correlate pretty bad, though. Like, I think if, if Dalvin Cook scores 18 touchdowns or whatever, because I, I, I also still think they are going to try and give Adam Thielen that red zone stuff a little bit. So like I and I don't I don't love Thielen. I don't love Thielen where he goes. I think he is a little bit expensive, but I, I would take I take AJ Brown in that spot. That's fair. I, I I don't have any problem taking Jefferson and Cook together though. Cause I think you're you're basically betting that the Titans have or the Titans that the Vikings have, you know, prolific offense that uh Kirk has not dropped out of the league to uh start an anti anti vax uh organization. Right. right. Yeah. You need the you need the offense to be strong. So, yeah. uh, and I think part of the play with Jefferson is that he does take some of the, the Thielen um, end zone targets, which, you know, I think is a pretty easy thing to imagine. They, you know, Jefferson's better than Thielen. We, we feel pretty strongly about that. The, what Thielen saw last year in the end zone and, you know, in the green zone was probably going to regress anyway, kind of natural for that to go to Jefferson to some degree. Um, and then, with Cook, you'll, you really need – the thing with Cook that's pretty wild – so I'm looking into these running back seasons, the guys who put up 23-plus points per game since 2000, and the archetype that Cook fits into is like one that essentially stopped existing. It, it yeah. went extinct. It's this – if you don't have four receptions or more – you're not supposed to be able to put up 23 points per game anymore. Like that, that hasn't happened. I think the last one was like back in 2010 or something. So what he did last year without four receptions per game is pretty nuts with cook. Obviously he just did it without the reception. So we can't say he can't do it, but I still think with cook, you're really hoping they pass a bit more for him to, to hit the really high end ceiling. And so I do think that to some extent they correlate, positively because we just want more passing attempts out of this offense. And that, that would really help cook. And obviously that helps Jefferson a lot. Yeah. So the, the top tier of wide receivers is Tyree kill Diggs, Adams, Ridley Hopkins, Metcalf, Jefferson Brown. I don't think you can make a bad pick there. You can start a draft with two of those guys, a running back and one of those guys. I just, I simply don't think you can make a wrong one. Do you include CD lamb as the wide receiver eight in that tier? Or is there a tier break for you after Metcalf, Jefferson, and Brown, or, or the wide receiver nine? Do you think it's an eight wide receiver tier, or do you think it is a nine wide receiver tier with CD Lamb in there? I think it's an eight wide receiver tier. And I like CD Lamb a lot, but we do have this DAC question mark. And we do, you know, there's some concerns of, you know, target, you know, how are these targets all going to get split up? Like, I think CD Lamb were, we could easily see CD Lamb beating you know several of the guys from the previous tier sure but i also think cd lamb can have a pretty good season and not score anywhere near like what dk metcalf or ag brown do because those guys they just have an easier path to a huge ceiling than than cd lamb does in my opinion and i think keenan allen is actually a pretty strong bet so i don't you know keenan and cd like they, they kind of fit together in my opinion like they're they're kind of a very clear mini tier of their own 
Yeah, so I I just never take Keenan Allen because I want to have so much CD. But you what you are saying is completely accurate. CD has to have a couple things that they have to go his way. Either one, Cooper or Gallup has to earn less targets than the market is expecting. Like one of them would have to have like a 16% target share. There, there's not really enough room for all of for CD to have 25%. Amari to have 23% and Gallup to have 20%. Like one of them, well, either one of them is going to disappoint relative to ADP or they're just going to get there on absurd efficiency. Like Gallup will score like nine touchdowns on like 83 targets or something like that, which right. could, I mean, that could, could totally happen. happen. That could totally happen. Um, I, I think all of us really expect the Cowboys, like the offensive line is better. I think they're a little bit less committed to just beating Zeke the football. Like that's just kind of what it seems like organizationally with, you know, the Rico Dowdle stuff and mentioning Pollard <laughs> getting more work and, and things like that. But, How tilted were you by the Rico Dowdle mentions? So, I mean, uh, you, you have no idea. Just un- unbelievably. <laughs> um, what I, what I see as different for CD Allen Robbins, cause, cause I think that the next year is Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, CD lamb and Allen Robinson. So the first thing is, is CD has the, is in the best offense of all of those guys. They, the, he, the Cowboys will score more points um, than the Chargers, than the Washington football team, than the Bears. He's got the best quarterback. Dak is better. I mean, even Fields, who I think is really good. Dak, Dak is better than Fields, at least at this stage in their careers. Well, Herbert's the second guy. I mean, Herbert let's, is a, let's yeah, be fair to yeah. Herbert. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that the, um, I think that, like a the wide receiver one overall, like CD can accomplish that in his career. I don't think Keenan yeah. will ever do that. I don't think McLaurin will ever do that. And I don't think Allen Robinson will ever do that. Like CD just every, like, you know, best, like amazing prospect drafted so high, the offense, you know, all, all of these things, it all indicates that. And so you're, you're, you're really bet it you have like an open-ended straight draw with with cd lamb is basically what it is but like you you are going to get paid out you're going to get paid so hard when you hit on cd lamb because his crazy season in this cowboys offense is just like an unbelievable efficiency season i think he has that season in him but he has to he probably like probably one of the other guys needs to get hurt for like get a hurt. decent stretch yeah which feels like i don't want to I don't want my path to a league winning season to come through injury this early where like Keenan Allen basically had 20 points per game last year. He had that, you know, if you, if you look at what he scored last year, you have to keep in mind that he had the game where he played completely hurt and should not have played. Right. Like he had actually a stronger season than it looks. Um, and I think we're more excited about this offense than we were last year. So, you know, I think he could, he could be a smash. Like nothing really needs to change for him. Um, they, the offense basically just needs to not regress and Keenan Allen's going to absolutely crush. So I like him. I like him a lot. Sometimes I've taken Allen over, over lamp. Um, don't you, don't I kinda, you just kind of mix those guys up. Don't you just feel like Keenan gets there on receptions, but doesn't have the crazy touchdown season. Like that's, that's just how I, and maybe that's wrong. Like maybe Keenan, maybe Keenan does have a 14 touchdown season in him that we just have never seen. I think that there is a decent chance that we were after the season, we're going to go, wow, Keenan Allen with actually awesome quarterback play. Quarterback was a guy play. We didn't realize, like we just never realized how good this guy was because Philip Rivers was, was solid. 
for yeah. his, for Keenan Allen's career. But Ke- Philip Rivers was on the way down as Keenan Allen was on the way up. Sure. You know, last year we're like, man, Keenan Allen, we can't be drafting him. This quarterback play is going to be terrible. Well, his quarterback play was immediately better than it was the previous year. And then this year, it could be by far the best quarterback play he's ever had. Ever had. I think that could unlock things like the way we think about what Keenan Allen can do might be outdated with, you know, with a borderline elite quarterback touchdowns and all that type of stuff might come pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and then, so like I, I would rank this tier CD Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, McLaurin, which uh, I, and I will take, I will take those guys if they're, you know, if I'm there at the three, eight and McLaurin is the one that's left, or if Rob, you know, Keenan is the one, like it, it doesn't matter to me. But I, I'm prioritizing CD, and I also am prioritizing Allen Robinson, who actually goes the last of this tier because of the field stuff. Like, I think fields could have, like, kind of a Mahomesian level impact. Like, if he's really as good as I think he is, the Bears offense could just be absurd in the second half of the season once he takes over. Yeah, I have it more as, like, CD, <clears throat> CD and Allen, mini-tier break, and then McLaurin and Robinson I have super, super tight in the mini-tier break. Like, I have a, I think Allen is just an easier bet than McLaurin or Robinson because you're getting the quarterback play for the whole year. Whereas Robinson, we don't know how long we're going to even get fields. Um, and then with McLaurin, like I, I'm a little bit more nervous about McLaurin. I know he's done well and stuff. Like no, I'm, I'm legitimately, and, I'm legitimately nervous about him. Yeah. Like he's just, I mean, you want to talk about the the stink of him not being a good prospect. That's where yep. it comes in for me with McLaurin. Like, what he's done since entering the league has been fantastic. He's crushed in, in you know, the arts per route run. And Various and what metrics. if Fitzpatrick is just done? Like, what if what yeah. if he is what if he has tested the capabilities of what he can do and he just can't he can't do it anymore? And I think he doesn't even have to be done. But like the level of play that he needs to to put up to have McLaurin be besting guys like Keenan Allen, Ceedee Lamb is pretty high. Like he can be just kind of a little bit underwhelming in a 17 game season than what we've seen from him in smaller stretches for the last two or three years, which I think is actually probably the most likely scenario that we get 17 games out of Fitzpatrick and go, that wasn't quite as fun as I thought it would be. Yeah. You know, so that's McLaurin had horrible quarterback play last year and, you know, 87 receptions, 1100 yards and four touchdowns. But that's the thing. That's the rub is to have one of these absurd seasons, you have to score touchdowns. And, you know, I like who knows what the what the touchdown upside is in a Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ron Riviera offense. Yeah. So I, I like McLaurin. I actually have quite a bit of McLaurin, too. Like, but it's generally like the idea that I would never take McLaurin over Allen. And ADP Same. also aligns with that. So, you know, I'm kind of sitting back when it gets to the McLaurin Robinson spot. It's that's like a coin flip to me. And I for a while I was taking more Robinson. And I was like, I'm taking two too much Robinson. So I started taking McLaurin, but it's truly a coin flip. I think between those two guys, if I knew that I was getting fields for the whole season, then I would be taking Robinson first, but I don't know that. So I, I am kind of trying to get fairly even exposure to those guys, but I, and then I see a tier break after them. I I agree. So I think the next tier is Woods cup, Cooper, DJ Moore, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. And then I think there's another tier break. I prefer more, the most of that tier. Like I want to, I, I want to take a lot of DJ Moore. I also think 
Godwin is getting a little bit downgraded because he got hurt last year and was playing hurt. And, you know, also was like, not a, not a postseason hero, but like Godwin is one of those guys who has always been crazy efficient on the targets that he has gotten. And mm-hmm. that offense was kind of like loaded with guys who needed to get targets last season when, when Godwin was hurt, right? Like, you know, 109 targets from Mike Evans and Gronk got some targets and Antonio Brown got some targets and they played Scotty Miller and they played Tyler Johnson and they played Justin Watson. And I feel like if Godwin is just healthy for 17 games, like I, like I, he negatively correlates a lot with Mike Evans. Like, I don't think that Evans and Godwin can both have a smash season and I, I would be me personally, I'm betting on Godwin over Evans. I've been betting on kind of both. Like I, I, I haven't been taking them that high. Um, and this is actually something I struggle with a little bit when you get to this tier, I have this tier, maybe even a little bigger than you do. Cause I think you that have, you have base, T and chase in here, T and chase and lock it. Yeah. I think are all in this. Yeah. Tier. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, yeah. I agree with that. But of this whole tier, I like DJ more than most. Most. But when you come up to, you know, like the 308, the 309, Robinson and McLaurin might be gone. Yeah, you can wait, but I don't always wait. Like it's one of those things where enough times DJ Moore gets sniped, you know, because if you're in the, if you're like at the 308, DJ Moore might not get all the way back to you in the fourth. So it does become this situation where I'm like, how do I wait? my desired DJ more exposure versus, you know, which I, I don't want to be overexposed to DJ more versus like, yeah, you want to play the ADP game a little bit. Yeah. Which I, which I try to make myself do, but it is hard. So sometimes I just take him at the three Oh eight. Yeah. And I, like Cooper, I am now to the point with Cooper's ankle injury where I only take him when he falls. I, I do not take him at ADP anymore. Like that. I, it's not that I'm worried, but it's just like, well, no, I am worried. I am worried that he's what seven and a half months out and he's still on the pup. Like, and the coaching staff can say he looks great. He's fine all they want, but Cooper is a guy who struggled with injuries a bunch in his career. Uh, and we, we skipped right over woods and cup. I, I mean, I think the Rams are going to score a lot of points. Like I, I, so I have no problem taking those guys when they're there and DJ Moore is gone, but my overwhelming preference here is to take DJ Moore as much as possible. Yeah, me too. With Woods and Cup, so Cup's been nice, right? Because you can get Cup in the, fourth, in the fourth, and that feels pretty good. Sometimes he's like one of the last guys of this tier. It's him and Lockett, um, and I like, I kind of like Lockett a little bit more than Cup, but I st- I'll take Cup sometimes just because I want to have him. Woods has been the guy that I don't tend to have a lot of exposure to because if you're taking more, um, oh, you know, as the first of these guys, Woods is the first of these guys by ADP. So he's naturally the one you're not going to have that much exposure to Cooper. I was taking more early before this ankle stuff. Um, And now I'm with you. I kind of want my discount. Like I'm not actually that worried about the ankle, but I still would prefer to get paid to take on that risk a little bit. So, well, and just from a, uh, just from a portfolio perspective, if I'm betting so heavily on CD, it does not make as much sense to be heavily betting on, on Cooper. Um, that so then uh, I actually Julio Jones, I, I find myself taking him so rarely because I prefer T Higgins straight up. Like, I feel yeah. like, I feel like the T Higgins bet is so much of a better bet. I feel like Lockett is a better bet. And then I, I think after Lockett at wide receiver 22, there is a fairly large tier break like this, like from 22 to 23, I feel like there's actually like a, a giant tier break. 
Yeah, I take Julio a little bit kind of when we get to the end of this tier. And if I'm in a position where I think I could get T coming back, you know, if you're down at the end of the fourth, um, then I think Julio's fine. But, you know, the age model is not going to like Julio Jones. So it's – it's uh, but at the same time, he was good last year. He's in a pretty good situation. Um, you know, like you'd kind of want him – in terms of like aging gracefully, for him to go get to play with A.J. Brown I think is potentially nice. I'm worried a little bit about the Titans slowing down. So, uh, you know, if there's less target volume – then you know this is already a low volume offense so we we need them to continue playing fast and they're with a new offense coordinator who i'm not sure he's going to be as committed to that so that worries me with julio on top of the age but i do try to mix him in if i get like a nice value on him i think when and i don't know if there's a tear break or or how you want to call us but i take Ayuk a lot once this dries up i i take Ayuk a lot but as we've talked about, I take Ayuk a lot for structural reasons and not right. because I love, like, I love, I like Brandon Ayuk. I like, uh, I like the offense. I like taking Trey Lance. I like the stack. I want to be taking a wide receiver in this range because tight end has mostly dried up. I'm not interested at all in David Montgomery, Chris Carson, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, Mike Davis. Now, every once in a while, you can take Daryl Henderson here. You can take Travis Etienne here, depending on your start. But this is the, the fifth round where Brandon Ayuk goes, both in, FF, uh, in FFPC. He's 51 overall, wide receiver 23. He's a little, he's uh, right around that same range, an underdog. Um, and, and I prefer him to Thielen. I greatly prefer Brandon Ayuk to Deontay Johnson. I greatly prefer Brandon Ayuk to Odell Beckham. Uh, I honestly, for me, Judy and Claypool are the guys who I want to take here more than Thielen Johnson and Beckham and I've started to reach on Judy and Claypool just because there was a, a you know 10 day period there where uh when after the the wide receiver ADP migration it was like I'm on the clock at 504 and I'm taking Ayuk like literally 100% of the time for structural yeah. reasons and I, that is not a bet that I want to be making not that I don't think he's good but just like I don't know if he should be that much of a favorite to score more points than Debo so that's one of the weird things about doing this many drafts this year. This is the most drafts I've ever done, and it's Same. not really close. And yeah. there, you get into these pockets where I was in the same exact position where at 504, I'm just hammering Ayuk, you know. And before that, when he was at the late in the late fifth, I was hammering always. Ayuk. Yeah. But now Ayuk is getting more expensive to where he's sometimes going in the late fourth, and I'm not getting as much Ayuk. So, like, my recent drafts are not actually that heavy on Ayuk. And so I was like thinking through things like maybe I can just sit here and hammer a guy for three weeks because it's July. And then in August, maybe, you know, this guy's not going to be as easy to fit in, or I can just make myself take other guys at that point. If it becomes hard, if it becomes, you know, even easier to retain, or I can start getting him at a discount. Like DJ Moore hasn't really changed, but I'm, more than I was trying to see if I can get him at a bargain because I do have quite a bit of them where, you know, guys like Ayuk and Higgins, I I'm mad. I wasn't hammering Higgins more, you know, more. it's not like, yeah. Like, cause his, cause the discount dried up. So with some of these guys, it's like, what if the discount dries up? You're actually going to wish you had the exposure to them when they were cheaper. So I feel actually quite good about being over, like kind of ridiculously overweight on Ayuk early in draft season. Um, 
but yeah, I, I like him more than Johnson and Thielen as well. And I like him more than Claypool, who I like a lot, but uh, I like him more than Judy. I, like I just don't, Beckham. what is, what is Thielen's ADP? Like, what is the actual argument for Thielen going ahead of Claypool or Judy? Like I, I just doesn't make any sense to me. I guess it's touchdowns, right? It's, it's yeah. that he's, he's like there, but I don't know that we want to bet on that to continue when we don't even think he's the best wide receiver on his team. Like that seems a little fluky. Plus you have Herb Smith. Herb uh, Smith being like an 80% snapshot guy is just going to crush Thielen's touchdown equity. I think. Yeah. Herb Smith's better than Kyle Rudolph. So the more that he's on the field, the worse it is for the guy who we need to be scoring touchdowns to pay off in Adam Thielen. Like we don't need yeah. Justin Jefferson to be, like this dominant red zone threat because we think he's going to absolutely. And if, crush if I want to make a touchdown, if I want to make a touchdown bet, I want to make a touchdown bet on Chase Claypool, who yeah. looks like a Greek god, as opposed to Thielen, who is an unvaccinated thirty-one-year-old. You know, like <laughs> I, I'm just like the Vi- I mean, the Vikings are going to have. I, 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 if I, if I had to make a team right now a favorite to forfeit a game for COVID protocols, it would definitely be the Minnesota oh, Vikings. Yeah. That would be the clear cut favorite. I, yeah. Not because I love Zimmer's reaction to this one, by the way. I've really, Zimmer's yeah, Zimmer like, is like, these guys are all fucking idiots. Yeah, he's the best. I love, yeah. Zimmer. All right, um, let's let's talk well, about Odell. So, so I, I want to talk about Claypool real, real, real. Oh, quick. yes, go, go ahead. Um, just because like it, it does remind me a little bit of like DK Metcalf last year, yes, where like we didn't quite expect him to be as good as he was as a rookie, so then then he surprised us all. And then we're thinking, yeah, but what about the volume? And it's volume for different reasons. Because last year with Seattle, you kind of talked yourself out of it because the volume of the entire passing offense might be too low. You know, you also have Lockett there. So is he really going to be able to get a big enough target share of a low-volume passing offense? With Claypool, it's it's more that the – the volume of the passing offense is going to decrease from last year, most likely. And then it's split three ways. But I just think this is like covering up the fact that Claypool might be an Adonis. Like, like you said, yeah. like he might be, be like the guy that makes concerns about like Juju Smith-Schuster on a one-year contract after unsuccessfully testing the free agent market, you know, and Deontay Johnson, who literally got benched for dropping the ball last year. Like, Maybe those guys just don't matter to the extent that, you know, they can hold back an emerging star like Chase Claypool. Like Chase Claypool could just absolutely crush. I, I don't think – I just I don't mean, like De- – Deontay is the one who has the lowest floor and honestly lowest ceiling for me. Like I just – I am not as into him. Like the film bros are like Deontay Johnson is amazing. And I just – I don't know. Like just for me, Claypool seems so obviously the better bet. Yeah, I think Deontay Johnson, like what he does, he clearly does very well. He gets open, but he gets open very shallowly. And in a way that I think we don't normally have that much interest in, you know, like, is he, isn't he like basically Tyler Boyd, you know, like, I know he doesn't play out of the slot. Juju plays out of the slot, but like he gets open at a very low a dot, you know, it, it, I'm just like, what, what is the ceiling, especially if we don't expect this team to be as high volume, we would prefer the guy who can score touchdowns, who's going to get used. What was it like the third play of their preseason game? They try one of these jet sweep things with Claypool. It turns into a fumble, but that's still good. Like I'm glad that one of the first things they want to practice is getting, getting him involved in that way. And 
we saw him get used that way around the goal line kind of what like more like week six or seven and then they went away from that but man if they bring that part of the offense back around the goal line this year and get like you know two three touchdowns from for claypool you know rushing it's like what if robert it's like robert woods and dk metcalf combined like that's pretty exciting so yeah ceiling wise i think claypool i i like claypool better than johnson for sure johnson's probably gonna outscore claypool this year but the scenarios where it's like, oh my god, the scenarios where Claypool, this guy, yeah, That's where Claypool. Claypool turns into DK Metcalf and just you know yeah. unloads, yeah. Like I, I'm not that into Odell Beckham, but I guess like he is the clear top wide receiver. I don't know. the The guy I'm most excited about here is Judy, who seem it seems like Sutton is getting there from the ACL, but it might take him a little while to get up to full speed, like. Uh, the coach said like, oh, he's not quite ready. And then he, uh, Sutton was like the star of like their scrimmage where they, they had fans there or whatever. But Judy, I, I started out kind of out on Judy. Then I did that football guys draft with Sean and Gretch. And we took Judy at six one and Sean was like, you need to take a look closer. Look at Judy, like six in the NFL in air yards had that insane season with that crazy 2018 Alabama offense. Like mm-hmm. I, I was too low on Judy and I, I needed to be higher on Judy and I am working to make him a bigger part of my portfolio. We just drafted him in the main event uh, in the, what was it? The fifth round, um, the five ten I believe we're out of. And uh, yeah, we didn't feel great about taking him that early, but um Ayuk was gone. Claypool was gone. Kind of all the guys that we wanted were gone. Beckham was gone. It was a pretty wide receiver heavy draft for the main event. And I had an interesting discussion with Ben about Judy because after his rookie year, I became higher on Judy. He showed that he can be in this downfield role, which isn't like the role that he's probably going to be in as much this year with Sutton back. But I like that he was able to get open deep, draw all those air yards. I think that was good. Ben was pointing out that his yard per target was terrible. He, you know, catch rate was bad. You know, he didn't particularly, he didn't show well from an efficiency standpoint last year, although his yards per hour on actually wasn't terrible because he's getting targeted a lot. And he but, scored a 92 yard touchdown, which, yeah, which will as we, as we learned from rookie year, Juju does, I mean that like Juju's yards per target for his career is still boosted by, I, I actually think Juju has scored two 99 yard touchdowns. If my memory serves correctly. Yeah. And actually, I mean, Judy's maybe a, it's similar to Juju a little bit in terms it's of the a, it's a good, it's a good comp. I think it's actually also Deontay Johnson is somewhat similar to Juju Smith-Schuster or not Juju, sorry, to Jerry Judy as well, where like if he gets open a lot, you know, and is dropping the ball, that's a problem. But with Judy, I guess I'm a little bit more, I would probably take Deontay over Judy, but I like that I can get Judy later, who's got, giving me kind of a similar profile, like a guy that I think is going to get open a lot, I think yeah. might be with the quarterback who's going to throw shallow a lot. And also probably I think Judy's better than Deontay Johnson. Like I think he's yes. ultimately, we're going to say he's a better talent. And and, and how different is 39-year-old Ben Roethlisberger from, from, you know, baseline Teddy Bridgewater? Right. No, I mean, they're like kind of similar. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think Judy and, and Bridgewater, like I'm kind of assuming Bridgewater is the starter there for most, if not all of the season. And I think that really helps Judy. 
I think that, and I think that probably hurts Sutton a bit. So yeah. And I, I like, I like, I like Judy. Like, so Judy is wide receiver 28. Juju is wide receiver 29. I like Juju, but I am never getting him now because I'm just always taking Judy over him like a hundred percent. And I I'm fine with that. I'm fine making that bet until september like i i don't and and maybe judy will rise so much that it you'll you won't have to make that bet anymore and there'll be separate decisions I think that bet is going away because i've been getting some more juju recently as he's falling and judy i never am able to scoop up cheaply now yeah and and i think i think that juju he just i mean what like was he bad last year like i don't know i 128 targets most receptions on the team nine touchdowns had a you know 19 targets in that crazy playoff game against the Browns like I, I I what's really the difference in range of outcomes between Deontay and Juju you know what I mean yeah I mean I would definitely bet on Deontay straight up but you're getting a pretty decent discount on Juju so I have probably equal exposure to them I was taking Deontay a little bit more early and then I kind of cooled as I started getting really excited about clay also that week seven buy for best ball is such a crusher that i would rather delay that decision like so many good so many players you want have that week seven buy that taking like you know taking deontay in the fifth if you already have like let's say you take you took digs and cd or whatever like you're just like i don't know i'm gonna pump this off another round like i'd rather have someone else available in week seven to be honest do you have plans for week seven yet your vacation yeah, I don't know. It's going to be like, imagine that the DFS slate that week is going to be brutal. Like the, the Sunday DK it's slate, gonna so is, bad, it's yeah. going to be so bad. Um, okay, so then for me, tear break after Juju, then it's Robbie, Sutton, Galladay, Shark, Devonta, Debo, Visca, and Boyd. Then for me, there's another tear break there. Uh, the guys I like here are LaVisca and, and Debo, who are at the, the end of the tier, which means you get them all the time, right? Um, yeah. Visca, let, let me check my underdog here. I bet he is my highest draft. Yeah, he is 28, 28% in 105 drafts. I have LaVisca Schnoll is my highest drafted player. And he just got a big boon. I, I think he got a huge boon with DJ Shark um, missing training camp because – this is going to allow him to work as a non-slot wide receiver in, in camp. I think they're going to give him more snaps outside now with whoever. I mean, I, I would guess like Colin Johnson's probably getting some snaps. Yeah. I, who would even be their slot wide receiver that they'd be put? I like literally don't even know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good uh, question. Um, but I, I, I mean, clearly like, and I'm not out on shark. Like I know you got like, Sean is not very bullish on shark. I I'm not out on shark, but on the clock, given the decision between the two, I'm taking LaVisca every time. Um, Debo, I was taking Visca first. I wasn't taking him every time because I was like, I don't really have much exposure to shark and I have a lot of exposure to Visca. And so I should mix this up. So I, I have been forced myself to mix it up, but then right as I kind of, realized that i needed to be a bit more prudent shark you know has this finger injury is going to be out for a while so now now i'm regretting being prudent and i should have just been hammering visco like you i, I have the 25 percent exposure to visco right now so i'm <laughs> prudent is literally three percent difference but but yeah it's tough to take shark i like robbie though in that range um as well i think he's like the three guys that really jump out to me are debo robbie and visco yeah uh yeah i think that's fair so I, I got to be honest, 
I was like, I had forgotten how amazing Debo was as a rookie. Like I went back and watched some of his stuff and like, Oh, I saw your tweet. He looks like a wrecking ball, dude. He looks impossible to tackle, like amazing body control, super productive, was a great prospect at South Carolina, like huge market share for like a not very good team in the SEC. Like in a way, it's almost more impressive to me when these bad team SEC wide receivers have these big market shares because it means they were going up against NFL corners with, you know, accountants as the other guys trying to distract the defense and still getting there. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's got, he had Brian Edwards though playing. He was playing. With That's Brian true. Edwards. Well, which is not as uh, not as much of a boon as we would have thought at, at one point. Well, we'll see. Apparently he's playing ahead of, of John Brown right now. And he's been compared. Did you see the tweet? <laughs> or that was no. like a beat writer was like, John Gruden's comparing this guy to Terrell Owens. And I don't know about that. He looks more like Randy Moss to me. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Absurd. <laughs> yeah, completely absurd. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, <laughs> but I, I like Debo. I mean, I tend to agree that, you know, Debo and IU are like both good bets. But I, I also, I'm in this weird position where I'm like, I, I definitely prefer Ayuk. If one of these guys is going to absolutely blow up, I think it's Ayuk. What, what, but on how the other are you hand, making, like, how are you making that classification? Well, it's just that I guess I just don't – I was just hammering Ayuk when I could get him in the fifth, you know, easily. Sure. And then I was, like, taking Debo anytime that it made sense to take Debo. So I wasn't really making a distinction because I like both a lot at ADP. But I guess I think I wasn't squeamish about taking Ayuk because of how much I like Debo. Like, I think they're both very good players. I think this offense is going to score a lot of points. And so I've just been taking them both. Yeah. So then to me, I think there is a huge tier break. I, I, you could honestly argue Mike Williams is in like a tier of his own, uh, Mike Williams and Mike Gallup, but Michael yeah. Thomas, Antonio Brown, Brandon cooks, Jarvis Landry, Curtis Samuel. These are the guys I have. I, I maybe have not drafted Brandon cooks at all. I I'm not I either. I'm not bullish on Antonio Brown. I get it. Like anyone arguing for Antonio Brown, I get it. Like you don't need to at me and be like, he's a Hall of Famer, he's the best ever. If if Godwin gets injured, like I get it. But also, like I just, this is actually a range where the running backs start to get appealing. Mostert, I like. Um, yeah. Harris, I, Harris, I like for best ball. I don't like him at all for managed. Um, I'm with you there. Uh, AJ Dillon, Zach Moss, Tony Pollard, Russell Wilson is available here. Justin Herbert is available here. So you can uh, Tunyon and Irv, uh, Tunyon and Higby are available here. Like this is a range where a lot of the time I'm done taking wide receivers. And also uh, underdog ADP is different here from the main event where Gallup goes after these guys in the main event, but an underdog Gallup goes ahead. Gallup goes, I think he's like the wide receiver 38 right uh, ahead of Mike Williams, actually an underdog, but yeah, Brown cooks, e- even Jarvis Landry, not inspiring to me um michael I've pittman been taking him a little bit like because if you go if you get away from wide receiver like a little too early and yes. i've been trying to do a bit more of these like like kind of atypical hyper hyper fragile builds where i will go um like i'll go deandre swift and then like i'll grab another running back kind of in that like because you're getting to like where like mike davis and and gaskin and stuff will fall to the seventh and i haven't really been taking any of them but i'm like hey if they're going to be here 
So maybe I'll end up with two or I'll have like a Dalvin Cook and a Travis Etienne. That's been more common. Something like that. So then I'm a little bit behind at wide receiver from where I normally feel like I should be. And Landry has been someone that's actually started to look a bit more appealing. Cause I'm like, and you're comparing him him to Waddle and yeah. yeah. And it's like, this is a professional wide receiver who will play. Like I know this. And it's like when it's your wide receiver four, which I don't like if I'm in the eighth round and, and selecting my wide receiver four, but I, in that position or, you know, in the ninth round or whatever, like I, I need a guy who I feel a little bit more confident in the floor. I've been taking Landry a bit, but the guy that really jumps out to me from this range is Fuller. And Fuller's a guy that I've, I've been pretty, pretty aggressive in, in trying to get Will Fuller. I, I think his ADP is a little bit, Fuller I and, and of him right now. Fuller and Waddle. Honestly, I am Waddle. I is... like Waddle, but Fuller's like, I mean, Fuller is one of the best wide receivers. He's a top, I think he's probably a top 10 actual NFL talent in terms of like what he does for an NFL offense. Like from a fantasy perspective, maybe not, but like Fuller makes his quarterbacks better, I think, than all but probably nine other wide receivers in the league, right? He's he's incredible. I I know he's yeah. suspended, suspended week one. I know he's dealing with some kind of foot issue, hasn't been practicing, but to me, it's like Fuller and Gallup are very, very close. Yeah, so I, I, I'm with you on Fuller. Curtis Samuel's ADP has not made sense to me for one second this uh yeah me neither draft seat let's see let's see if i have him at all i have one curtis samuel i bet it was an auto pick uh in 105 drafts i have taken curtis samuel in one puppy draft i think i have him one one best ball mania yeah like this this is a range this is a range where a lot of the time i'm either done drafting wide receivers or i'm drafting dudes for the second half of the season right waddle uh elijah moore rondell moore darnell mooney um Pittman yep. Pittman I I I can't make I really up my mind on Pittman. Excited about Pittman I'm not into yeah him. it's I just like be, he, but... he was a very under like kind of underwhelming style prospect I don't and the, I'm not that bullish on the Colts anyways less bullish on them now that Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger might be playing some at quarterback like th- yeah. this is a range where wide receiver feels fairly dead and you're better off taking Tony Pollard AJ Dillon James Conner, even, you know, t- tight ends court. This is also the range on underdog where you're taking quarterbacks a lot. So this is, yep. this is a range where I'm, I'm kind of done drafting wide receivers. Where is Michael Thomas for you? Is I'm, he... I'm not done. Yeah. Just... Okay. Me neither. Yeah. I'm really not drafting him, but it feels like if you're going to take him, this is kind of at the end of this tier is kind of where you could slot him in, but I'm often kind of going I'd I think I'd rather have Rondale more. I, th- I literally, you know, I, I, I think that hurt. for, I think that honestly, for me to start taking him, he would have to go where Russell Gage goes like wide receiver 56, 57, something like that. Yeah. I, I just, I feel like, you know, he might not be that good when he gets back. If, you know, if he rushes back, like we might, then we might be dealing with him struggling through the ankle injury. Like we did last year. I don't know. I guess. I guess there's upside there. So at a certain point we, we should have exposure, but I've just had a hard time generating any I mean, excitement you, about taking him. You know, for a fact you're eating, my guess is you're eating at least six zeros. Best case scenario is you're eating six zeros, right? Then yeah. you're making the bet that 
he's still good. You're making the bet that he's uh, not completely like non-endeared himself to the coaching staff to the point that we're like, we don't even want to deal with this guy anymore. You're making, you're like, you're, you're making a lot of bets that seem asymmetrically tilted against you. And if Michael Thomas well, plus is on the, the, the quarterback situation. Yes. Right. Could be a disaster. Like James, disaster. we both, we, we like Jameis. We're rooting for Jameis, but like, could be a disaster if Jameis just is like chucking interceptions and then Taysom is like the best they have. We know that Taysom is not going to be the guy we want supporting our wide receivers. So could be bad. Yeah. Um, so a couple of the guys in this range, uh, Fuller, obviously Hardman, obviously just this morning, the chiefs listed him, the chiefs, un- the chiefs unpaid social media intern had him listed <laughs> ahead of Demarcus Robinson as the wide receiver two on the depth. Breaking chart. news. Truly. Yeah. Uh, Waddle, Waddle, I am really into. I, I'm trying to get a lot of Waddle. I, Chua has actually become my second most owned quarterback because, um, you know, take take Waddle in the ninth round, take Tua in the eleventh round. It's yeah. it's pretty good. Elijah Moore, I like. I'm a little bit less exuberant than the market because they're. I know they're planning on playing him outside, but I feel like his best role, especially as a rookie, is in the slot. And Crowder is just going to play there. They 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 figured it out so that Crowder is going to be on the team. I, I would be. I don't think that Crowder will necessarily have a lock on slot snaps. If like, I think they're moving on from Crowder after the year. If Moore is the guy they view as like their best weapon on offense, which I think he honestly might be, then I can't imagine that they're not mixing him into the slot as well on the outside. Like he's, I think he's probably, I mean, Corey Davis is a guy we all thought was basically dust before last year. Like there's a good, I mean, Crowder, we thought might get cut or traded. Keelan Cole is the other guy here. Like it was not really not that crazy if Elijah Moore is immediately the best weapon on this entire offense. So I'm not that worried about Crowder. If Moore is as good as you really need him to be to be taking him in like the on the eight nine turn, you know, you're betting that he's better than Jameson Crowder. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. Um, you know, Bateman has kind of gotten to a, a helium point in ADP where I, I can't take him anymore because he's going within like ten picks of Marquise Brown, right. which I just like I'm just taking Marquise Brown. You know, um, yeah, I, that's as simple as it it can. It's a simple. And you pointed out that, you know, he's not been practicing either. Is this a abdominal thing? I don't even know what that means. He, it seemed like he had a stomach bug in July and missed some practice. And now he's dealing with like, it's like cramping and stuff from the sounds of it. It's not, I don't think he's got a pulled muscle, but I don't know. I would really prefer my rookie wide receiver to be practicing than not practicing with some mysterious stomach ailment. So uh, yeah, I think his, his ADP probably should be, a little bit more in check right now yeah no you you are right um so then like more guys i'm not drafting uh, definitely not drafting russell gage uh this is another good range of zero rb guys right you know latavius murray devin singletary yeah. naheem hines darrington evans uh so this tends to be a range i i do like rondale though i was telling bime for the other day I, I actually don't have a ton of Rondale because I'm so often done drafting wide receiver. I have six wide receivers by the time Rondale Moore's ADP comes up and I'm taking other positions there quite a bit. So I need to balance that out. Where are you at on Traquan Smith? Do you think that 
Like I can't, I can't figure it out. I'm not taking Traquan Smith, and I know this could burn me, but I, I just have no confidence that Traquan Smith is good. We just talked about you know concerns for the offense. Marcus Callaway is apparently the guy that's standing out there. So yeah, that's so, that's the guy I like. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, if I want to bet on this offense, I want to do it as cheaply as possible. Traquan Smith, there's actually a fair amount of opportunity cost because you're taking him over a guy like Henry Ruggs, or like I'd rather have Marvin Ruggs Jones. Is, Ruggs you know, is a way range. better. Ruggs is a way better bet, even if Ruggs yeah, is way Dante Pettis. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you still are in this range. You've got Bateman has traditionally gone after Smith. That's not always happening right now. You've got right. um, Rondale Moore in this range. Rager's in this range, who I'm cooling off of, uh, but I think I'd still take Rager over Traquan. So there's just like guys in this range that I think are interesting. You also mentioned that there's there's running backs here that, you know, this is like a period where we're not necessarily hammering wide receiver to begin with. So I haven't really been taking Smith at all. Yeah, th- this is where this is where the wide receiver, actually the bets start to be overpriced and the running backs and quarterbacks and tight ends are priced better. Yeah. So already structurally we're shifting away from the position. I think Callaway is someone I'm excited to kind of, I've got all these puppy slow drafts going. Um, Once we get into the the later ranges, I'm excited to mix in a Callaway um, dart throw, but that's just more, you know, it's not that Smith's like so cheap, right? He's like wide receiver 55 in this ADP that I'm looking at. Um, What about, I'm I'm not saying he's so expensive, but. Where, where are you um, at on Rager? I have a lot of Rager from earlier drafts. And so I'm trying to force Tear myself not to take him anymore. Um, yeah. He has reportedly like he's had these flashes in camp where like he made this incredible one-handed catch. He got wide open uh, running against their top corner and then he dropped the ball. And then he's had other days where like he bait like, you know, uh, I believe it was Jimmy Kemsky was like, he has not stood out today at all. So there's been some like rough days for him in camp. He came into camp overweight. Um, he had had one of his uh, close friends was murdered prior to training camp. So he's been dealing with that, which is obviously very tragic, but you know, it doesn't seem like he got off to camp on like an ideal foot. So right. there's like, and you also have, um, I believe it was the Saturday practice. The Eagles beat reporters were appalled at how the offense looked. They yeah. were, they called it. It's, like it's been worst. all bad. It, it's been yeah. all bad from Eagles. They're like, this camp, is basically. the worst offensive practice I've seen. Like it was like terrible. And that wasn't a Rager thing. That was like a overall, like hurts yeah, the whole hurts deal thing. Line. Yeah. yeah. But obviously Rager's a part of that. So you, there's like wanna... some real red flags here that I'm trying to make sure I'm not like, just. Do you, you want to hear a galaxy everywhere. brain? Do you want to hear a galaxy brain take on Hertz? Yeah. Dude, he's like the Uber Tebow. He is going to be bad in practice all the time. He's going to he's going to miss throws. He's going to get his footwork wrong, but he's yeah. going to be bet he's going to be better when the bullets are flying. And I I think there is some I mean there's definitely evidence to support that. Like this was a guy who played at Alabama and Oklahoma in huge games and crushed it and he's got an unorthodox throwing motion. Um like he's I would say it's not even uh, an inaccurate thing to say he's kind of more of like a, an athlete than like a pure quarterback. Uh, and he's got lots to work on as a quarterback, but like, dude, those games where he came in for Wentz last year, 
it's not like he looked hopeless. Like it's not like no. this was like a Nathan Peterman situation. Like he that touchdown he threw to Greg Ward, like rolling out to his right off his back foot, just like the frozen rope. Like those are things that like you can't you you can't teach Derek Carr to do things like that. And it's 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 really bumming me out that it seems like the Eagles don't value what he can do. But that's you know, the the real that's key the here. thing, though. Yeah, because yeah. like you mentioned, Tebow. I mean. That was under Josh McDaniels and yeah. like Josh McDaniels probably should not have been allowed to draft Tim Tebow. That was a huge mistake in the first round, but he did then design an offense in a way that was going to utilize Tim Tebow. Right. And it was often gross, but it was still designed around what Tim Tebow could and couldn't do. I think with Hertz, like they don't seem interested in designing. I mean, they've given it a little bit of lip service of like, yeah, we're, we're going to, you know, do some stuff that Jalen does well, but, it seems like they're trying to just kind of jam him into the offense they were going to run with any went, Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a little bit concerned about it. And it, the biggest red flag to me with any coaching staff is like, if you're not designing your offense specifically tailored to your quarterback or the quarterback, you're probably a bad gonna, coach. It's going to be bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's like, I mean, and on the other hand, like when a guy designs an offense specifically Taylor to the to his quarterback immediately we're like this guy's a genius like it's actually not <laughs> it's not really that I mean obviously it's hard but like to some extent like in the macro sense like just design the offense to your quarterback man and they don't they don't really seem to be doing that and you're already seeing I mean the, the beats are like trying not to freak out but I would say the overwhelming like I listen to a lot of these team podcasts the overwhelming sentiment from every single team is optimism and so when you do get these guys being like holy crap that was ugly it's it's actually like it stands out and you know most of these guys want to be saying positive things about their team and uh i'm i have a fair amount of hertz rager stacks early in the the best ball season i have not been drafting them so much over the last couple weeks yeah all right let's uh let's start digging into some of the guys we like taking late terrace marshall fits all of our thesis productive player yeah clear clear role i think he will may i mean maybe david moore plays the third wide receiver in week one or something but i think marshall wins there i don't think so i yeah, think marshall's I, I think, starter out of the gate i mean J- joe brady handpicked him literally like coached him in college and was like i would like that guy to be on my team and they've got him uh gabriel davis or manny sanders which one which one do you take they go right next to each other I haven't been taking Gabe Davis as much as I was because of the Sanders stuff, but I'm taking Gabe Davis still over Manny Sanders. I mean, we're trying, we're trying to hit, you know, maybe not a home run out of this range, but like at least a double, you know, I, I have a hard time. Manny Sanders is what? 34 years old. He's Deshaun Jackson's age. Like he should be going where Deshaun Jackson goes, you know, like Deshaun Jackson's probably a starter in three wide receiver sets too. Right. Speaking of dusty old guys, are you with are you with me and Leone on AJ Green as a starting wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals? Leone um, talked me into it, and it does make sense. Chris, Christian Kirk is dust; it's all over. No, I am not in on this. AJ Green was absolutely disgusting last year, and he's playing a role that was previously manned by Demir Bird and Keyshawn Johnson. He, he couldn't possibly be worse than those guys, though. He could be just as good. Like I don't. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's going to be, you know, you know, at the end of the year, it's probably going to be DeAndre Hopkins and Rondale Moore that are going to be competing for targets with A.J. Green. A.J. Green's just basically there to run empty deep routes and keep the defense somewhat honest, and he's not going to be even very good at that. 
I think worst case scenario, Christian Kirk is playing on the outside over AJ Green by the end of the year. And I think Christian Kirk's better than AJ Green. Christian oh, I, I not, do too. Yeah. So there, but, you, you but look at what Cliff, the four wide Cliff receiver doesn't. set's going to be. Cliff does. Yeah. Not but when there's that. a four wide receiver set with Kirk and Moore on the field and Nuke and AJ Green, how is he possibly earning that target? You know, like I, I just think that this offense actually is not a great fit for AJ Green in the sense that he's he's put in a position where the coach can't help him as much. Like he's going to have right. to actually earn targets against strong players now. With assuming Rondale Moore is really good, and obviously DeAndre Hopkins is very good, and it's three and four wide receivers all the time. You know, Hayden Winks did this uh, study on yards per route run. How you know basically your yards per route runs can be higher if you're on two wide receiver sets versus three wide receiver sets. Would stand a reason that that would come down even further in four wide receiver sets because there's more strong target competition out there. Uh, so, so no, I'm not, I'm not in on an AJ green. I get it from a best ball perspective. You're like, he's going to be at, he's from a routes opportunity perspective. He's going to have the most of the vast majority of the guys in this range, but I'm taking Jacoby Myers over him. No question. And I'm taking Jameson Crowder over him. We, you know, talked about how Crowder is going to be playing over more in the slot potentially is a, is a word for you for Elijah Moore. Um, I do think Crowder will get a decent amount of playing time. And I also like taking Zach Wilson. So I've been taking, you know, if I can get Elijah Moore and Jamison Crowder, um, I'm totally fine with that. You know, I think, I think Moore will be on the outside and the inside Crowder will get enough. Um, I think Crowder's actually pretty decent. So that's a kind of a very nice little cheap double stack that you can start in the ninth round. Uh, so I like Jamison Crowder. I think he's undervalued. So I, I mean, if Green was going like behind all those guys, but even sure. like Brian Edwards, wouldn't you rather have Brian Edwards over AJ Green? No. What happened no. to you, man? No. AJ Green, AJ Green is a better pick than than Brian Edwards. I don't think so. I think Brian Edwards could like actually emerge as someone who's earning a fair amount of targets in, in his offense. AJ Green is like three three weeks you're getting out of him at best case scenario. He's slotting in your lineup. Like what? AJ Green. I mean, is AJ Green actually better than Andy Isabella at this point in his career? Like, probably. I mean, who knows? Who knows, right? <laughs> um, okay, a couple oh. other guys. Callaway, who we already talked about. I think we both like him. Sammy Watkins actually is shaping up. He has been. I started healthy. taking him. I've started taking he, him. He has been healthy all of camp, which Marquise Brown and Bateman have not been. Even Miles Boykin, by the way, if we really want to get in the weeds, Miles Boykin has also not been practicing. Watkins has been good all camp. He's been healthy all camp. Like, and, and I, if you were gonna, if you were gonna say like, okay, what's Watkins upside, it's that he kind of does what Marquise Brown did as a rookie, where he just catches a lot of long touchdowns because Lamar has sucked the entire defense in and he's running free 50 yards down the field with a defender nowhere near him. Um, I prefer him in best ball, but like as, <laughs> and I, I'm, as your seventh wide receiver in the main event, yeah, I like I would prefer Sammy Watkins to Randall Cobb. I would prefer him to Amon Ross oh, St. Yeah. Brown. I prefer him to Tyra Williams, Cole Beasley, Christian Kirk, Nico Collins. Um, I mean, wide receiver gets really bad here. The the guys I like, like in like the two hundreds, are the Giants guys, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, because it looks like they're gonna be the two starting wide receivers. I I mean, you know, Galladay will see. But Canaries Tony is not coming along the way the team anticipated. Right. He had a horrible mini camp. He was on the COVID list. He had another injury. He's back at he's back at practice now. 
but I, I think it might even be like a red shirt year for Kadarius Tony. I think it might be a red shirt career. Um, yeah, I think Sterling Shepard is a guy that I need more exposure to because he, he's a professional wide receiver that can play. And, like, you know, with the injuries, maybe that maybe there's more targets to be had here. Um, and he's not, and he's pretty expensive, inexpensive. So I don't really have a ton of Shepard, but I think that's a leak. I should be targeting him a bit more. So I agree with you there. I, I do think, um, and, and he's in that range, Sterling Shepard. I mean, it's a similar bet, right, to Jameson Crowder, where you're just like, no one's excited about this slot wide receiver, but he's a professional wide receiver, so we should draft him. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I'm not as into Slayton because I, I don't really feel that confident that Slayton's good, and his role eventually will kind of just be usurped by Galladay. They want Galladay in that down but also you you do you do have the thing of like slayton's good weeks are going to be like really good weeks like slayton slayton's good weeks are not going to be five for 85 it's going to be like three for 120 and a touchdown you know what i mean yeah that that could be right the guy that i've been really excited about in this range is diami brown yeah i think he's yeah you know he's like potentially a week one starter um that is the the word that uh, was tossed around by the beat reporters over the weekend was thriving. They're saying Deami Brown is thriving right now. Um, He is potentially going to start over Cam Sims on the outside. We obviously have Curtis Samuel struggling through, you know, he's on the COVID list, but he was struggling through injuries prior to that. Uh, You've got Adam Humphreys maybe running out of the slot there, but I, I think that if Deami Brown is as good as he might be, and he was a very good prospect, um, then I'm not worried about what Adam Humphrey's situation is. I think they'll probably have Curtis Samuel running out of the slot, Deami Brown on the outside, Terry McLaurin on the outside for, you know, a fair amount of snaps. And he's in this, this kind of situation where you could see him turning in a very efficient rookie season. McLaurin's drawing coverage. They have to pay attention to McLaurin. McLaurin's a very good wide receiver. And then Curtis Samuel can do some stuff. So, like, how do you devote real defensive attention to this guy? He's going to be in kind of one-on-one situations a fair amount. He's going to be someone that I think Ryan Fitzpatrick could have a real connection with is kind of this, you know, deep ball kind of – he's not super, super fast, but he can get a little bit of separation, and Fitzpatrick will let him go up and make plays. The real question with Dami Brown was, when is he going to be on the field? And it sounds more and more like he might be on the field – to some extent right away. And I, you know, that's, that's pretty exciting given the level of prospect. I mean, Nico Collins is a big swing and I've taken him and I think he's totally fine, but Nico Collins is not really the level of prospect that De'Ami Brown was in terms of the production Two breakout seasons from De'Ami Brown. Um, I thought he was very underdrafted, but still third round pick. So he does have the draft capital we're looking for. I, I I'm, I have, a, I have a lot of them. I'm going to continue drafting them. I'm actually a little bit, there are situations in our main event draft recently where we almost took him to close out the draft and we went with another running back flyer. And I wish we took Brown because I think Brown is going to start right out of the gate. And he's probably someone that I'm going to push for, you know, on these drafts, wherever he hasn't been drafted in the main event to pick up in the first waiver wire run. Once we know that like, okay, this, this running back flyer that we took right. is not really going to be, as enticing as we was as we thought he might be so we're let's cut him uh, brown is someone that i'm going to want to 
pick up in a, a number of high stakes leagues. David Moore was just carted off in Panthers practice. So oh God, there you go. Oof. Tough scene. Uh, okay. In terms of like 20th round wide receiver flyers, Eskridge, Byron Pringle, Colin Johnson, um, Cedric Wilson, in, in case something happens to Cooper Gallup or, or CD during the, uh, the, the preseason or whatever. But like uh, at that point, I mean, advantage league. Hamler. Hamler, uh, Hamler is a really good one. Hamler, I think, is just going to be the Broncos wide receiver three from day one. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. Hamler is a really good one. Eskridge, I think, is a good one. But also, you know, again, in managed leagues, we're we're taking running backs there because we are, you know, the the uh, yeah. role shift with an injury is just so much bigger. And and honestly, a lot of the times I'm kind of done taking wider like, you know, my my pocket picks in underdog and DK best ball drafts are like Pringle, Eskridge, uh, Olamide Zacchaeus, mm-hmm. and that's a good one. Uh, Don- Donovan Peoples Jones, right? All of this, all this stuff They're, coming. He's from- getting a lot of buzz. He's getting a lot yeah. of us. And uh, Colin Johnson for the Jaguars, Cedric Wilson for the Cowboys. You know, you, you line up your stacks there a lot. But, I mean, Pringle is the one who I have these, all these bets on because it, it sounds like he is ahead of Demarcus Robinson. And it, he also would be like a more natural – I mean, he would be a more natural backup for both of the Chiefs starting wide receivers if you're accounting hard as them because he's more of like a smaller, quick twitch style guy. Demarcus Robinson's like 6'4" pure outside like you're not you're never running jet sweeps with demarcus robinson yeah that makes sense um the reason i went on the whole diami brown diatribe is because like in managed leagues like so kj hamler probably similar ish bet to him in best ball but i'm not taking kj hamler in the main event whereas like brown is like jumped up to where i think he's interesting even in managed leagues. yeah yeah because hamler is the the path to him having like a thousand yard seven touchdown season or whatever it's just like it's we're not really i don't even yeah. know if he can really do that but in best ball you know whatever but like manage leagues there's not really a point right some of the other guys that i'm taking the strange travis fulgham um this is like a cheap sort of bet against rager um which you know hurts my heart a little bit but i think makes sense i like uh, Fulgham, yeah the other guy tyron johnson I think he might be the outside wide receiver alongside Mike Williams. Um, if uh, Palmer is not someone I'm that interested in, I think Guyton like basically can't play. He can run in a straight line pretty well, but uh, right. Tyron Johnson could be Tyron Johnson played pretty well last year and he's getting a little bit of buzz. If he's like a full-time outside wide receiver with Justin Herbert, he's very mispriced. So He's someone that I've been mixing in too. And he's very cheap. I mean, you basically can just get him anytime you want him. So, uh, and I like the guys you mentioned, Donovan Peoples Jones. I'm trying to get a little bit more of Cephas. I, I tweeted out, I'm taking off my list for now. Cause it looks like he's I, I'm like, re- I'm like reaching on Donovan Peoples Jones because it, it's not out of the, the question to me that Odell is just like done that like athletically he can't do it anymore. And Peoples Jones is like 23 and you know, has not been injured and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's like getting these, the reports are that, you know, he's getting these like 50, 50 balls from Baker, which, you know, tells you a couple things. It's like Baker's seeing what this guy can do and he's getting first team reps. So the whole thing with people's Jones was that he was this freak athlete who was basically misused at Michigan. And he had this weird profile too, where they used him on like punt returns and stuff. 
he's yeah. like built like like a like a mini calvin johnson or something and he's getting used on punt returns it's very odd but he actually he had a really nice punt return touchdown and stuff he's he's like this weird mix he's like very underwhelming in terms of his college production but also like flashed some very interesting stuff too highly athletic and so i do think he has a high ceiling i mean this the classic boom bust type of profile and now he's kind of the talk of camp in his second season I mean, that's, that's really interesting. Like, I think we want to, we want to make sure we get exposure to that. So obviously it could just be kind of a flash in the pan type of situation. Most of, most of, in like most of these cases, that is what that ends is up happening, what but, yeah. but why not get exposure in the 18th round? Well, and he's got no competition. Like, you know, Rashard Higgins is entering into like year seven or whatever. Like there, there's no reason for him not to play basically. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. All right, dude, what's uh, what's coming up on Ship Chasing, the good football show and NBC Sports Edge this week? Yeah, so Ship Chasing, we've got a uh, quad managed draft coming up on Wednesday. I believe it's – so Pete needs to get the sched- – He Pete has promised a schedule of everything that's happening, and I, be- I believe this Wednesday is the draft that we're doing with Blair and, uh, and Hassan. But uh, if not, it's the following Wednesday. But I'm pretty sure it's this Wednesday that that we're doing at KFFSC. But regardless, we're doing just like an enormous amount of live drafts on ship chasing for this Wednesday through the rest of the summer. We're going to be having some some doubleheader weekend drafts of main event drafts. We're going to be doing some stuff on Thursday um, after the randomizer show uh, that Pete does. So we've just got like this Wednesday basically kicking off a just a slew of main event drafts. Um, and on NBC sports edge, we've got uh, Sean and Ben are coming on tomorrow uh, with, with Denny uh, and me to discuss stealing bananas and, you know, all the, all the great stuff they've been talking about um, and what to do in managed leagues, kind of the high stakes, kind of having a non best ball discussion over on that, on that feed for the first time in a while. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and I've been in the lab on this running back stuff. I mentioned, you know, the kind of archetypes of these guys who've had the 23 plus points per game. That article is very, very nearly done. So look for that. Um, and I, pretty interesting stuff about like, I think like trying to identify basically like what we're actually needing to, to hit for one of these elite seasons from the running back position. Like, it's obviously a very, very high bar because, you know, we've seen less than two of these happening in any given NFL season. But at the same time, I think it really has helped me think through my target list at running back to kind of just see like exactly what what it basically needs to happen for, you know, like you kind of need like three or four things to all kind of converge for one of these seasons to occur. And right. it helps you start to kind of rule out guys who, not that they couldn't do it. Nothing's impossible, but just probably are a lower tier bet. So, so that research is, uh, like I said, I've, I've got like that about 90% written up. So hoping to get that out probably on Wednesday or Thursday. There we go. NBC sports edge, read it, follow it, ship chasing, listen to it. A good football show, subscribe, listen to it. And, uh, I will be back a little bit later this week. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. 
Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.